You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. I want to read for us again the story in Luke 2, this time from a translation called The Message that a fellow called Eugene Peterson has done that you may be familiar with. This is how Eugene translates Luke 2. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They'd set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left, running, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Actually, just the baby was lying in the manger, not Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for so willingly and humbly making yourself small to enlarge our hope, to extend salvation throughout the world to everyone. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So here's the shepherds out there just, you know, doing what they do. They're keeping watch. They're doing what they do in the field of the world assigned to their care. And I wonder, um, where do you keep watch? What is the corner, the field of this world that's assigned to your care? Who or what have you been tending, watching over this week? Because they're out there keeping watch, tending their flocks, and then suddenly they are assaulted and terrified by this unexpected incursion into the stillness of the night. And don't skip over that too quickly to what the angel says. Because we all know what it's like to have news, to have an event that suddenly breaks into in a way that scares us, assaults us, terrifies us. Um, whenever I come up on this time of year, three years ago, at, at this time of year, the first weekend of Advent, I was doing what I do in the field of Lori. Um, and what I do the first weekend of Advent is we have some family gatherings. I always make gingerbread houses with the nieces and nephews. And I was at Trader Joe's in Ballard. How many of you shop at Trader Joe's in Ballard? Anyone? There we go, quite a few. So I'm at Trader Joe's in Ballard, you know, the first floor of the parking garage there. Just loaded up the groceries. I'm sitting in the car. The phone rings. It's Virginia Mason. And the MRI results have come back suspicious. And suddenly it's an incursion, a terrifying incursion. You know 
how this goes. You can connect this to your own experiences. Uh, a news of an event comes in that changes everything. I mean, how many, just, just curious, how many of you were actually alive in here when Pearl Harbor was bombed? Yes, there we are. Let's give a hand, by the way, to these people, because these are our elders. <laughs> news comes through. Pearl Harbor's been bombed. A JFK being shot. How many remember where you were when JFK was shot? A plane hitting the World Trade Center. We know how this goes, collectively and individually. News and event. Not just words, but news of an event that breaks in and it changes everything. So don't rush too quickly to the message of good news. Remember that it came on the heels of an unexpected and terrifying encounter of angels and the glory of God out of nowhere in the dark night sky. So the first words spoken by the angels to the shepherds make all the difference. Do not be afraid. Don't fear. I wonder, for you walking in uh, this morning, what are you afraid of? What's got you scared? Do not be afraid. I bring you glad tidings, good news. And the next thing you know, this massive fear of the shepherds is replaced, we're told, with massive joy. And what is this good news? It's, it's news of an event. Savior, who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord of all nations, of all people, has been born in the city of David. The city of David. Do you remember David? David, remember, was a shepherd. Here's David out keeping watch in his field of the world, his corner of the world. He looked after his family's sheep. And bold from the blue, he gets called in and anointed to be the next king of Israel. And remember, there is a fair amount of time between that initial anointing and when David eventually, after many adventures, takes up the throne and begins to reign. But here David, out of nowhere, anointed to be king. And throughout Israel's history, the primary description of who these kings are meant to be is not commander-in-chief, is not, you know, head of all the organizations, is, 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 is not head of all the tribes, the, the leader of all the... It's shepherd. It's shepherd. From then on, that's who a king is, is a shepherd. And I wonder if you've thought about this in this corner of the world where you keep watch Monday through Saturday, that... Whatever you tend, whomever you attend to, keep, keeping watch with a view that a chief shepherd is still going to return, is, 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 is coming to take up his throne. That you and I, we are called first and foremost to shepherd in this corner where we keep watch. A savior has been born, Christ the Lord, in David's city. Now, did you notice the order of this sentence? The order of this sentence in the original language, I want you to notice, is first, the good news is a Savior is born. And then it says, who is Christ the Lord in David's city? Now, maybe it's not a huge deal, word order, okay? You can just make an awful lot of word order. But it caught my attention. Here's why. It catches the attention that the angel doesn't say a Messiah is born who is a Savior. A Lord, a Master is born, who is a Savior? Because both are true, right? J 
Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Lord. But on that first night, the good news is that a Savior is born. This isn't a Messiah who, along with a whole host of other expectations, saves. This isn't a Lord who also happens to be a Savior. And I don't wonder today if, if this, the order of this announcement just might say something about the heart of the meaning of this event that has happened. A Savior has been born. It seems to me that we long for Jesus to come and do a great many things. We watch for justice. We watch for healing. We watch for God's rule, for God's authority. We watch for God's truth to be enacted. We watch for joy. And we know from the prophets and from the eyewitnesses that all of these things arrive and are given in Jesus Christ. But today, reflecting on this angel announcement, it seems to me that all of these other things are manifestations of the central and most important thing about Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, being born, and that is the world is saved. There is a Savior for all people. See, sitting in my Camry in the parking garage of Trader Joe's, receiving the bad news of this MRI result, which would, as it turned out, uh, be in another invasive cancer, I wanted to escape. I wanted to be healed. I wanted a Savior. I wanted a rescue. I needed a rescue. In whatever form it arrived, I needed the good news, the word of a Savior. Word that Jesus saves, Jesus rescues from all the terrifying, unanticipated bad news events. Where have you kept watch this week? Where do you need to hear, do not be afraid? Where do you need, where do you long for news of a Savior? of rescue. And this word of good news, it comes with a sign. Did you catch that? This is actually, you know, just what happens. This is, this is standard practice for heavenly messengers in the Bible. They show up with a word and a sign. Happens all the time. Um, Moses. You remember Moses, right? Do you remember Moses? Raise your hand if you remember Moses. Good people. So Moses, right? So the burning bush shows up, and Moses is sent with a word for Pharaoh. He's sent with a word of rescue, a word of salvation. He's sent with a word for this Pharaoh who is the self-proclaimed son of God in Egypt, that the Lord wants to rescue the Lord's people, to take them out of the land of their oppression so that they can worship and serve him on the way to the land of their promise. And God sends with Moses a sign with this word. Moses has a rod in his hand. It may be a shepherd's staff. I don't know. But Moses has a rod in his hand. And God says, you throw it to the ground in front of Pharaoh, it'll become a snake. You pick it up, it'll become a rod again. It's a sign. Now, this may seem like a pretty cool sign to us. But this was really mundane in Pharaoh's court. This is like pulling a white hat out of a rabbit's... I mean, a rabbit out of a... See how mundane it is? I can't even get it right. <laughs> this is like pulling a white rabbit out of a hat, right? I mean, all of Pharaoh's magic magicians can do this. And Pharaoh ignores the mundane sign, the ordinary sign. And we know from the story, those signs become more and more extravagant. We now call them plagues until they result in the final sign, the death of the 
firstborn sons in all of Egypt. And I wonder, you've got to wonder, the suffering that could have been avoided had there been a heart open to see and obey that first simple sign of God's word announcing rescue. Here the shepherds are given a simple sign, a baby swaddled in a manger. Now you remember, from being familiar with this story, what actually happens in between the first angel showing up and the angels going, right? This angel chorus shows up. You probably noticed we didn't read that. We, we got through the first reading and the second reading and didn't read the angel chorus. Because see, when I read this passage, when I hear like big old angel chorus, suddenly it's like the rockets show up and, and they've got their wings and they're singing. That seems like a sign, right? The heavens just broken open, filled with glory. That would be the kind of sign I'm looking for, that this baby is the Savior. But that's not the sign. That's not the sign. The sign is simple. The sign is vulnerable. The sign is rough-hewn and poor and easily overlooked. And the signs that Jesus is the Savior will grow in intensity. We call them miracles as he gets older. Up to the very last glorious sign of the resurrection following the horror of the death of God's firstborn on a cross. But this first Advent night out in the field, this sign of God's salvation is not the blaze of heavenly glory, it's the humility of divine power. Reduced swaddles as a child in a feeding trough. And this will be a sign to you. The sign of the good news of your salvation is not the overwhelming glory of God writ large across the night sky in a blaze of angel chorus. The sign of our salvation is the glory of God writ small, swaddled and lying in a manger. So as you're out keeping watch in your life and these unexpected intrusions, the fears come in. And they're real fears because the things we fear are really scary. And you are given the word of salvation, a simple word, a word writ small and simple signs. Does it feel too small? Too mundane to overcome the fears that you're facing? Every year at Advent, I return to a reflection by Morton Kelsey when he writes, I myself am very glad that the divine child was born in a stable because my soul is very much like a stable, filled with strange, unsatisfied longings, with guilt and animal-like impulses, tormented by anxiety, inadequacy, and pain. If the Holy One could be born in such a place the one can be born in me also. I am not excluded. Keeping watch. Doing what we do in the part of the world assigned to our care. Assaulted and terrified by an unexpected incursion into the stillness of the night, the shepherds and us, we are all given word and sign of salvation, the good news of God Reduced to save. And those night watchmen, they waste no time. Finding Mary and Joseph, they waste no time going looking for this sign, just as the angel had said. And did you hear what happens? The shepherds receive this word, they receive this good event news, and they go in search of the sign the angel gave them, and they find the sign, and now the shepherds share the word. You got church going on in that stable. 
Do you see that? This angel chorus thing, that's not the sign. That's the call to worship. Then the shepherds show up. And, and what do you get? You get the relating of this word of good news. And you get this sign, this very simple sign. And you get amazement. And you get Mary pondering these things in our hearts, in her heart, and reflecting on them. And you get the shepherds leaving, rejoicing, and with their, their glory and their praise of God expanded. You see what just happened here in Luke, don't you? See, the good news of the Savior made small to save doesn't start in the temple. It starts out in the fields. Remember last week, Zechariah is the one who, like me, is a professional in the temple. And he struck mute. The gospel doesn't go out from the temple. The gospel goes out into the world to the shepherds glorifying and praising God, shared in the gatherings, shared around the sign, and then right back out into the world where it belongs. So you and I, this Advent, we gather in this time and space to hear the word of a God made small to save. And we share a different sign, not a babe swaddled in a manger. We share a, a simple sign of, of bread and a cup and what we call sacraments. It's just a taste. It's a mundane taste of a glory writ large that is to come when Jesus returns and his kingdom is established. And then gathering and celebrating, we go back out. See, we tend to figure the God word starts here and what we hear on a Sunday, and then it goes out and then it comes back again. But that isn't what the shepherds share. You ask the shepherds and they'll tell you that they received the good word of salvation while they were out in the field doing what they do that it overtook their fear and filled them with joy before they ever set foot in the stable. And then what happened in the gathering around the message, around the sign, amplified the simple word that had met them in the field. Simply put, I wonder if we asked them to teach us what they learned of worship, they'd tell us that the most important word in worship is the word of God that you receive in the field. The same good news you take back again with you when you leave this gathering. They came with a word and left with the same word, expanded and affirmed. You know, I've imagined all week what would have happened if some shepherd just walked by that stable who hadn't been in the field. They'd see the exact same things, wouldn't they? There's Mary, there's Joseph, kid in a manger. Huh. What made worship worship is those shepherds came in with the word. And they were met there. And so even the shepherds who come in clueless are going to meet that word because it showed up with the ones who met it out in the field, aren't they? They left open-hearted and rejoicing and glorifying and praising God. I wonder what words you've received as you watch in the field that you tend. I wonder if you're only alarmed and terrifying, terrified at the incursions of the events or the news that surround you with fear. Or are you listening in the field? Are you opening up your Bibles for those mundane, those simple words of Jesus' glory writ small? There are two verses that live in my heart and my mind. They're words of good news that I've received from the Bible, and they were there with me in the parking lot at Trader Joe's as I got my crying out of my system so my voice wouldn't break before I made the next series of calls. I needed to make. And one of them comes from Isaiah. You actually have it in your bulletin. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. 
and you are mine. When you walk through the waters, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. And the second one is from Romans. In life and in death, we belong to the Lord. It's those two words of a grand salvation writ small. I wonder where you're camping out and living and tending the fires of your work and the ones entrusted to your care and where the intrusion of the night has frightened you and where you need to hear this good news of salvation to receive the word out there to keep watch. The word of God, the word of a Savior who is God's anointed. The word of a Savior who sets the captives free and executes justice for the oppressed. The word of a Savior who heals the sick and comforts those who grieve. The word of a Savior who announces good news to the poor. The word of a Savior who opens the eyes of the blind. The word of a Savior who rules the nations and every authority. The word of a Savior who gathers the lost who embraces the lonely, who brings the outcast home. The word of the Savior who's close by our side as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The word of a Savior who vindicates our good name from our enemies, who removes shame, who restores dignity. The word of a Savior who makes me lie down in green pastures, who leads me beside the still waters. This is the word of the Savior, the good news of great joy breaking in to overtake that great fear that enveloped those who keep watch in their fields at night. And according to the shepherds, out there where you are, in the fields, that's where this good news rightly belongs. That's where they received it. So in the minute or two of reflection that we take at the end of this sermon, you have cards that came in your bulletins. Maybe you can reflect in the next few moments that are to follow here. Reflect on where is it that you keep watch? What's your field? Reflect honestly as what's broken in and scares you. Which events? What's happening? And then reflect. What is the salvation you long for? And if you don't already know one of the words of promise, simple writ small of salvation to take with you, Let one of us help you find it. Read that Bible this week. Take those words writ small so that they expand to diminish our fears and magnify the good news of a Savior born who is the Messiah, the Lord, in the city of David. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.